like a well-oiled machine. Before we read our passage from the book of Revelation this morning, it would be appropriate for me to mention just a few things about the uniqueness of this book. Uh, The book of Revelation is what is known as apocalyptic literature. And that means that uh, Jesus Christ in this moment, through the Apostle John, is if he is pulling back the veil and allowing us to see those end times. You see, this is a letter that's written to a very real church, actually churches in Asia, who are going through an incredible time of persecution for their faith. And they need a word of encouragement. So chapters 4 through 22 are that word that we are victorious through Jesus Christ. That you are victorious, even in the face of persecution, and therefore endure, persevere, because we are victorious through Christ. Now that's chapters 4 through 22. But before we get to those, we have three chapters that consist of seven letters to seven, again, very real churches in Asia. Now, just because it's written to those seven churches doesn't mean that they're not important to us. In fact, I believe that as we listen in, we can determine what Jesus feels is important about his church. Now, every one of the seven letters has both commendations, in other words, those things that are going well in that church, in that location, as well as those things that need some work. And some of them are rather severe. They are condemnations. And we know, because they're included in our scripture, that these are not written just to those first seven churches, but we are to hold them up as a mirror to ourselves. That's what the book of James says. He says, but prove yourself to be doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself, he's gone away and has immediately forgotten what kind of person he is. But the book of Revelation is our mirror to gaze into intently as the Lord of the church says, this is what's important about my church. And here's the ways that you can be commended or condemned for falling short of those expectations. May we gaze into the mirror that is his word even this moment. Revelation 1, 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave to him to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the word of prophecy and heed. Let me just point out, that's the only place where a promise of reading And heeding the word of God will result in a blessing. Those who heed it this very day. And heed the things which are written in it for the time is near. Now skipping down to chapter 2 verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write. The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. The one who walks among the seven gold lampstands says this. I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance. And that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles. And they are not. And you have found them to be false. And you have perseverance. And you have endured for my namesake. 
and have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place, unless you repent. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Let us pray. Good and gracious Father, O Lord, be with us this moment. The truth is, I am so very thankful, we are thankful for what we see you doing by your power and strength over these last few months. We thank you and we praise you. And we know that there is nothing we can do on our own power that will have any lasting merit, but only as we abide in you. So Father, even in this moment, may your spirit breathe through these words. Where there is commendation, Father, we rejoice in what you have done. If there is condemnation, Lord, we pray that you would help us to look intently and not turn away, but respond to what the Spirit might say. In Jesus' name, amen. Most of you know that I was in the Army for 23 years, and uh, I wasn't a chaplain. Some people ask, were you a chaplain? No, I was an armor officer. That, that means those big old tanks. And, and as an armor officer, I was responsible for writing the, the war plans for those units I was assigned to. And, and the heart of each plan usually consisted of what was called the task and the purpose. Now, what that comes down to is you would assign subordinate units those things that you wanted to do. Now, you might not believe this, but in the Army, we just didn't tell people to go do things. We always tried to explain to them why. It was important that they understand the so that or the purpose. For example, you could tell somebody to, you know, go seize that hill so that you can protect somebody that's on the other side of it. It's important that, that so that. In fact, it's so important that I've entitled my sermon that very thing today. Well, I would write the plan and, and then give it to the units. It was usually at some ungodly hour, and we'd go out and try to execute it. But what I learned over the years was it wasn't only important that you wrote a good plan, but you needed to understand the units that you were writing for, the soldiers, because there were some assignments you just couldn't give to some people, and some assignments you could give to others, and you know they'd accomplishment. I discovered over the years there was about three kinds of different soldiers or units that you might get. The first time was the type was the most difficult because it didn't, it didn't matter what you gave them to do. It didn't seem like they could ever accomplish it. It's truly frustrating. For example, if you told them to go take that hill, well, they, they, they might get lost on the way, get lost in the dark, or they didn't take enough time to get there, or or, or they weren't aggressive enough. No matter what it was, they always came up to a reason and they couldn't get the task done. Now listen, the odd thing about those types of soldiers were they looked just like any other soldier. They wore the uniform, their boots were nice and shiny. 
They walked, they talked, they could explain to you the history of warfare. You know, they could talk about Lee and Gettysburg or, or, or Patton across Europe. You know, they, they could talk just like any soldier. But when it came right down to doing the tasks, you know you couldn't assign very much to them because they'd never get it done. And sometimes it got so bad that you had to tell them, listen, you look like a soldier, but the truth is you really aren't. You really should go do something else. You'd have to take away their responsibility. Oh, the second type of unit, second type of soldier was a little bit easier to work with. You could absolutely count on them to get anything done. I mean, these were the pit bulls. They were strong. They were courageous. And no matter what you told them to do, they were going to go and work it out. No matter the cost. You know, I kind of like those kind of people. I kind of like to hang around them. But the problem is that sometimes they weren't the so that people. In other words, they forgot the very purpose that you'd given them to do something. So in other words, you'd go get them to, hey, go seize that hill. They'd get up there and realize there was really no point to that hill after all, but they'd just sit there. They'd forgotten that the purpose was more important than the task. Ah, but then the first group, or the third group. The third group was the ones you just loved. These were the ones, they were like the second group, and they were strong. They were courageous. You could count on them to get the work done, but they were so that people. They never forgot the purpose of their being, that if the situation changed, they would change the task because they understood the purpose was more important. And those people were the ones you put medals on. Those were the people you lifted up, you gave promotions to, you assigned greater and greater responsibility. The so that people. I, I was thinking about them this week. Maybe it was a nostalgic moment looking back over the years. But as I began to read about the, the, church, the churches in the Revelation, I began to think, well, maybe it's kind of the same thing in the church. Perhaps there are three kind of Christians. There's one that kind of looks, walks, talks, and wears the Sunday morning uniform. You can tell the history of the scriptures and the, and the record of the church, but they never quite get down to doing the assigned tasks. You know the ones. Feeding the hungry, clothing the poor, caring for orphans and widows, visiting the prisoner, and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world. And of course, then there's the second category, those that are busy for Christ. I mean, those that are just busy. They're just about working themselves into exhaustion. But they've forgotten to sow that statement. The very purpose, the very reason for all of that activity. And I think this is the very type of people that Jesus is talking to in Revelation 2. Because I think the church of Ephesus, you know, if you had a time machine, you could go back and just kind of watch the church at Ephesus. You'd go, wow, that's a busy church. That's a happy church. That's a, a working church, man. They like each other. They're working hard. They're working themselves about to exhaustion. And certainly there are some strong commendations for this church. Jesus says, I know your deeds, your toil, and your perseverance. There's no doubt that they're working hard. They're suffering. They're going through hardship. They're not growing weary. They're persevering in the face of opposition. You have to respect such a church. And Jesus commends them. He said, you're not tolerating evil. You're not putting up with the evil men that call themselves apostles and, and really aren't. Not in Ephesus. 
because they're working hard, busy, and these truly are commendations. It's so strange, in fact, that there are about four really strong commendations. There's only one condemnation. You think to yourself, man, if you were a student like I was back in high school, man, four A's and an F, well, that's not so bad. It kind of averages out, right? My parents would have been thrilled. But Jesus says of that one condemnation that it is so serious, so troubling, that if they do not repent, hear the language, it is a language of sin and turning away from it, if they do not repent of this one thing, that he will close the doors of the church, that he'll turn out the lights, that he'll take away the great gift and privilege of being light bearers. And we ask ourselves, what could be so serious? After all, there were such good things going on. What could be so terrible? And Jesus says, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. And in those words, there's rather a puzzling question. Why are you doing what you're doing if it isn't for the love of Jesus Christ? Why, if not as John says, so that the Father may be glorified? Or as Paul says to Timothy, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you? Or in Colossians, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything? Why would people work themselves to absolute, to the point of exhaustion, if it wasn't for the love of Jesus Christ? Maybe it's out of habit. Maybe it's, you know, if I don't come today, dad's going to be all over me. Maybe it's out of tradition. I mean, tradition's a, a, a strong, it's a, it's a good thing. Although I've had people over the years say, you know, I'll ask them, do you have a church to go to? Man, I'm looking in my billfold already to hand them a car, tell them what to, you know, when our worship service is. Do you have a church to go to? Well, my dad was a deacon in that church. My great-grandfather was a founding member of Jonesboro Heights Baptist Church. Tradition. Maybe it's because we want to be seen as a good person. Maybe it's because we want to fit. We want to have that sense of community. Now, don't get me wrong. That sense of community is a gift from God. But it can't be the driving reason behind what we do. Because Jesus really refers to this, if you do not repent, if you do not turn away from this attitude, this, the, the, this, this wrong-mindedness, I'm going to shut the doors of your church. Because this is sin. If we have not put him first, sin seem a little harsh? Well, if our motives are all about how we fit or how we're seen, then we're doing it all for the wrong reasons, aren't we? If not for our first love. Hey, listen. Do you remember your first love? Do you? Come on, think back. Maybe it was in high school, maybe in college. Maybe you're in love right now. Sandy Sales. 
is the love of my life. I met her when I was a second lieutenant in Germany, and oh my, I was enamored from the very beginning. She, not so much. She needed a little convincing. But man, I loved her. And when, I, when I, we first met, you know what I'd do? I would just think about her all day long. And she was teaching school over there in Germany, you know. And so I knew when they had recess. And so, uh, and I knew that she'd be free in that moment. And so I'd sneak away from my job and find a telephone. Telephone's kids went like this. <laughs> and I'd hold up that phone and she'd pick it up on the other side because she was at recess. And I'd say, hi. <laughs> and she'd say, hey. That's pretty much it. Because that's what you do when you're in love. And I thought about her all day long. There was this one time I got promoted from second lieutenant to first lieutenant. Got a huge salary raise. I got $45 more a month. Wow. Dollar and a half a day extra. And I got that first paycheck. It was $45. And I said, Sandy didn't know anything about winter. She's from Alabama. Wintertime in Alabama is like, oh, we're not dying of heat. And so we went to Germany, and she's like, what's this white stuff everywhere? Didn't have a good coat. So I went down to the, the PX, and I bought her. It was, I was so excited with that $45, and I bought her a down jacket. And I put it in a box, wrapped it up, put a ribbon, and I could not wait to give it to her. Because, listen, when you're in love, cost is not an issue. And I thought about her all day long, and I wanted to do things for her, and I just looked forward to seeing her. We lived in the same kind of apartment complex, ate dinner almost every night in the same place, and I thought about that all day because that's what you do when you're in love. And that's the truth. Ah, but then we got married. <laughs> and I thought, well, I've got her now. And I, you know, I already know a lot about her. I don't need to know a whole lot more. And there's no need to continue the courtship. And, and we don't always need to be together. I mean, I could have other interests, right? Right? Oh, no. And it hurts even to say that. Because that would be an absolute recipe for disaster. That's the way to destroy a relationship. And the truth is, she deserves better than that, doesn't she? Do you remember your first love? Do you remember the day that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you remember how your heart felt like it was going to burst? I mean, just burst from the inside out. Do you remember the heat of the tears that ran down your face? Do you remember the, 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 the desire to go and to pray? And nothing was more important than spending that time with your Heavenly Father. And you were going to carve out that time. And don't you bother me with the phone. Don't you bother me with the knock at the door. Because this is my time with my Lord. And I can remember the times. Can you remember when you opened up that scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And you saw how God was working things together. And it was amazing and it was exciting. And you just wanted more of it. You just wanted wanted to turn to the next page you thought about him all day long you were so excited about about what was going on in your life that it just naturally poured out you just had to tell somebody 
Now hold these words up as a mirror to your life. Where are you today? What happened? Jim Cimbala in his book, Fresh Faith, says there was a time in our lives when we loved Jesus more than we do today. Our appetite for God was voracious. Our love for God's house was enthusiastic. Our eagerness for spreading the gospel was so strong. Now, how is it? What happened? Perhaps there are three kinds of Christians. Ones who look like it, talk like it, but they don't get around to doing the tasks assigned. Hearers of the word, but not doers. There's a second type, ones who are doers, but who have forgotten their first love. And perhaps surprisingly, there's such a a terrible condemnation and warning from the master of the church. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen. And repent and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I'm coming and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Lock the doors. Snuff out the light. You no longer have the privilege of being light bearers. I wondered this week, what what would that look like? What would it look like to a church? And maybe it would be a steady decline over many years. But then there's that third type of Christian. Those who are motivated by a burning and and fresh love for their Savior. And out of that love then comes all of the tasks. And, And because of that burning, passionate, and fresh love, man, they're fearless. They're not afraid of what somebody's going to say. The Lord is with us. Who can be against us? And I've got a story that's just too great to tell, not to tell somebody. No cost is too great. No no task is too too great. These are the so that people because they remember their first love. They're experiencing it. I thought as you were singing that song so beautifully, yes, I can look forward to it. Yes, that's the promise. Yes, that's the balance to the equation that makes everything work sense. But, But you know what? I don't have to wait to experience some of that. I can have the foretaste of the of the relationship with God right now. And I desire that for you. Listen, brothers and sisters, there's a reason that this is the first letter of the seven in the book of Revelation. Perhaps because this is the center and this is the most important thing. Without love, we are nothing. Without love, we are a clanging symbol, says Paul. Without love, it's all about us and looking how we are in our community and, and, and appearances. But with love, oh, With love, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So that people, with a burning love, they're not afraid of change. They're not afraid of adapting, changing the task because culture has changed. So what? All that matters is that love 
And the scripture says, no, Jesus says, to those, to him who overcome, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. There are three kinds of Christians. Which one are you? Which one are we? Would you pray with me? Holy Father, we need you so. We thank you for the opportunity to come into your house. And Lord, look at what you have done. I mean, we are amazed by what you have done in this place. You have given us health. You have given us freedom to come and worship in comfort. You have given us so much. And we praise you and thank you for what you've done. You have been patient. You have given us Jesus. If there are some here today, Lord, bless them. Those that may have fallen away from their first love. Bless them. And help us to start again. Help us to return. Breathe through us, Holy Father, by the power of your Spirit. Give us a fresh wind so that we might be pleasing, a blessing to your heart and a blessing to your world. 